Support for the Stripe Show podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package, the Ultimate's men's hygiene bundle. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. Now, check this out. 20% off and free Worldwide shipping with the code Stripe Show. That's all capital, one word, Stripe Show at manscaped.com. If my math is correct, that's about 8 million balls. And we're back, Stripe Show podcast on a Thursday. Hope you're having a, a great week. Got some weather moving across here. Um, I think it actually was coming from the Midwest there a little bit to start with, which We've got one of the top collegiate golfers here joining us. I have to ask him what the weather's like there out there in uh, in Oklahoma. But in Florida right now, it's it's coming across. Pretty good lightning storm happening right now. It's almost supposed to be 72 degrees tomorrow. How's that sound? 72 degrees. Some of you in the Midwest and the North still feeling a little winter. But golf season is uh, is around the corner. And this is going to be a fun one here today on the podcast. Because, you know, I like to talk instruction on Thursday. Usually it's just with another coach, but this week we're going to go with one of the top coaches uh, up in the Northeast area, director of instruction at Manhattan Woods, Golf Digest, Best Young Teachers, Jason Birnbaum, and one of his top students who's coming to us from Norman, Oklahoma, and currently ranked third in the country right now, Chris Goddard. How you guys doing? Good, Travis. Thanks for having us on. Chris, yeah, thanks for good. coming yeah, to me, man. This is like... You know, Wednesday night in Norman, I'm sure like, hey, let's get this over with so I can go have a chilly one and, you know, watch a little bit of the match play or something is appreciate your time. What's what's happening in Oklahoma right now? Nothing much. Just, uh, you know, I don't have much class going on right now. So I got all the time in the world to be here. So all good. <laughs> so you're a senior, right? So after this, then what? Pro golf? Yeah, that's coming down the road. But um try not to worry about that too much as we got a lot coming down coming down the stretch here at the end of the season. Yeah, it's a big season, right? Coming up here, a lot of golf um, into the spring, weather starts to warm up and uh, you're playing some great golf. We'll get to that here in a second. I really want to dig into this relationship and kind of how it started and then kind of where you are right now, Chris. And of course, you know, your next step into pro golf, which you actually played in a professional tournament just a little while back in Puerto Rico and you finished seventh which is the first time that's happened. I think as an amateur, right in the last seven years, I believe someone finishing in the top 10. So kudos to that. We'll get to that. But Jason, I want to start with you here and this relationship. And when you guys first met, because Chris originally is from New Jersey. So take us back here to the beginning when you guys first met and Chris as a junior golfer. Of course, I, I've been coaching Chris. For maybe about eight years or so, I think we our first lesson was in 2014. Um, Chris was probably right around freshman in high school, if I recall. Um, his dad called me, set up a golf lesson, and you know, it's as you know, you, you never know who's going to walk in the lab on any given day. And I wasn't, you know, I just had Chris Goddard up down on my schedule one day. Didn't think much of it. Young high school kid from Southern New Jersey. Um, when we started, it was actually in the winter time. Uh, so I was indoors on a golf simulator and you'll be happy to know that we, our first ever lesson was on an about golf simulator. So for about golf, there you go. Like that. 
Um, so, you know, it's always from a teaching standpoint, it's always interesting from my perspective for a first lesson to be on a simulator. I mean, you're a little mm -hmm. bit limited in, you know, what you can do at that time. The technology for simulators was good, but it wasn't what it is right now. So it wasn't as accurate and not being able to see the actual ball. But yeah, I remember that first day, like it was yesterday, Chris and his dad, Morton came in and, um, Chris hit some balls and I was like, wow, this kid's got some speed. It was, he'd hit two straight three left, four right, three straight. Um, but you could tell there was some, <laughs> some raw talent there um, and some some serious speed going on. And, and you know, I just remember from that first day, I mean, he just had a, you know, Chris is a shy kid, um, you know, so I'm asking some questions in that first lesson about tendencies and strengths and weaknesses. And Chris's dad was doing most of the talking and Chris's dad's a very good player, which is, which is a great thing and certainly helps. So, you know, you could just kind of see the look on Chris's face as his dad was going through some of these, some of the issues with his game and Chris is, you know, he almost had this look on his face, like, you know, I, I got it covered kind of thing. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was great. It was a good, it was a good start and starting indoors is actually, I don't mind it. You can really get into some of the technique and, and, um, and dive into things and not have to worry too much about, you know, results and where the ball's going, but yeah, it's been, uh, we're going on eight years now. So you were 14, Chris, or thereabouts. What did, what did golf mean to you at that, at that point in your life? Um, definitely not what it means now. It was kind of just another thing that I was doing. Um, obviously, I was, I was good at it, but um, I had other things I wasn't really thinking about. You know, I was hoping to play in college, and um, you know, I knew I was pretty good, but like Jason said, it was super inconsistent, and um, I kind of just, I didn't really have a true like passion for it. I, I love playing and going out and having fun, but I never really thought I would be where I am now. Back so it was like more like casual, something you could do with your dad, go out, have fun, the experience. You're a freshman. You're creating a lot of speed. Where'd that, where'd that speed come from? Do you, did you play other sports or what, what happened there as far as like your ability just to grab a club and just start creating speed? Yeah, I think, so I played the cross for a while, probably. Okay probably t eight, 10 years. So I think that's where it came from. Um, you get a lot of torque and speed from launching a lacrosse ball as hard as you can. So if, uh, if I got anything from that, it was definitely the speed part of my game. So you get started, you're shooting what freshman, what was your average score at that point in time in high school? I couldn't even tell you. It was, you know, I would throw up a couple 68s here and there, but then I would throw up a nice 77 here and there too. So um, for high school golf, it was pretty good, but yeah. uh, I kind of knew I was capable of more. Was there a moment where like it switched? Do you think like Jason chime in here where you felt like, okay, we're going down this path, right? And you're starting to coach him and guy's got talent. How serious is he about it? Right. He's got some other things going on. Was there a moment where it was, it hit you where, you know what? I think I'm going to play college golf. I'm really good at this. So I'm going to go ahead and start elevating my practice and my dedication to this. Was there a moment that happened? For me, so, I kind of know when that happened, yeah. but I want to see, I want to see what Jason says. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you know, for me, for, for my perspective, I, I would say there was not a moment. I, I think most of the work that we've done, has been it's been done in the right way so to speak so it's been gradual right like so every time i've seen him it's a little bit better it's a little bit better it's a little bit better and then you know you look at six months from now and it's like amazingly better but it, it, it wasn't for me personally from a technique standpoint um 
I wouldn't say there was one sort of aha moment. It just kept getting better really mm-hmm. for, for me. And I was like, you know, I'm trying to rein it. My whole goal with Chris, I've actually never said this to him, but my whole goal with Chris is to get him better technically and to tighten up the dispersion without giving up one mile per hour of his speed. Um, that has always been where I'm at and that's always where I, where I'll be mm-hmm. because I, I know the importance of his length. And I think, you know, it'd be easy to give up some of that in an effort to create better technique, but that my goal with him has been to, you know, to sort of harness the speed and, and even increase it. Cause it as fast as it is, it's gotten faster over, over the years. I mean, you know, it may have been in the mid one twenties and now it's in the low one thirties, but I've, I've not wanted to give up one mile per hour in chasing better technique with him. Um, mm-hmm. And that aspect of it just like slowly got better and better over time. And then it's like a few years later, it's like, geez, well, I mean, that's just like amazing how much better it's got. But, but yeah, for me, it wasn't, you know, certainly sort of in the middle of his Rutgers run, you know, scoring started to become a lot better. Um, kind of, I don't know if you'd say overnight, Chris, but there was certainly a switch that was flipped from a scoring standpoint there in the middle of um, of his Rutgers um, run. But yeah, no, I, I would, for me, it wasn't one spot where it was like, you know, this, is, yeah. this is the difference, yeah. So real quick, Chris, before you, I want you to answer it. So as a teacher, young man coming through, he's got a lot of speed. You're looking at it, okay, all right, there's the dispersion. I can see it. You know what it is. And, and Chris is like, yeah, I could shoot 68. I could shoot 77, whatever. And there, and he's thinking yeah, there's a dispersion there, but you went down a path of, okay, I'm gonna start tightening things up, but I'm not giving up speed, right? Like you're not going to give up the ability to create that speed. Like you said, one mile an hour, which I think, you know, as coaches listen to this as well, I wish I, you know, you go back to when we first started coaching, Jason, I know for me, I probably, you know, I wish I just would learn to hit it harder out of the gate, you know, and just, and then reined it in. And Chris being 22 is, is really benefiting from, I think, a much better approach than probably where we were as an industry, say 20 years ago. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I think that's a really cool story. Now for you, Chris, what was that moment? So my answer is kind of the same as Jason, as in the technique part, you know, it's, it's every couple of weeks or months we talk and we tweak something here and there. And it was never something in the technique that really changed overnight, but I would say it's my sophomore year of school. I lost probably 50 pounds, um, going into my spring year of sophomore year. And that's kind of when everything flipped for me. That's Mm -hmm. when I started scoring better. And then Obviously, the year after that, I had a really good year. It was all American, but um, you know, I think that's that's the thing that whenever when someone asks me, that's my answer. But it mm-hmm. doesn't have to do with technique, really. It's more of a uh, physical thing. Yeah, Chris, let me ask you this. I get this. I I think about this a lot. Go back to when you were in high school, and you think about your experiences with your coach, with Jason, who you now you guys got a great relationship, and how it started, and this phone rings and. You come in, you guys meet, and off you go. Funny story real quick. I had Grant Field on the podcast who works with Cameron Smith. And Cameron, of course, just won the players. And I said, Grant, how did you meet Cameron? They're both from Australia. And he says, you know, one time I did this junior clinic, and he came out, and he was in the, was with a group of five kids, and off we went. <laughs> you know, so, like, I thought, and he was just so casual. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, we just had a junior clinic. He was, you know, 10. And he goes, I've been teaching him ever since. And here we are. It's like, 
Fair enough. You know, you just never know. Like when someone's who's going to walk in and where that's going to take you. So, but you go back to as a junior, like what your experiences with Jason, like, what did you, what did you like? What were you looking for as a young kid? Like you wanted to get better, but just the experience in general, you draw back, like, what have you really appreciated through this journey with Jason? It's easy to answer that now, but back in the day, I don't think I would have been able to answer it. I, so what I like about it is that, you know, he's, he can talk technical and stuff with me, but I'm not, I'm a feel guy. Like you could say this number looks good. This number looks good, but I really, in the end, I don't really, really know what it means for the most part. Um, I'm just trying to focus on a feel that I like, and that's when I'm playing my best is when I'm feeling certain things correctly. So um, I think we were able to do that really well. And he, you know, he would say, you know, you should feel this in your arm or whatever. Other than that, it's, you know, it might get something done for him that he likes to see, but for me, I'm just feeling what he's saying. So that's kind of the, you know, I'm not an analytical person or, you know, a big uh, numbers guy. So I kind of like that about it. Is that, has that been a learning curve? I asked this for you, Jason, now for like the teachers is, has that been a learning curve for you as you've gotten into this with him where you might teach him, Chris, a little differently, say another one of your top players or a player that's maybe kind of on the, on the way up. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, every single case, I, I just try to take case by case. Everyone is very different at any level, right? So at the tour pro level, you've got technical tour players, you've got non-technical tour players, you've got field tour players. So I'm, you know, I'm just trying to sort of um, navigate towards what's in there, you know, what's best for them from a, from a communication and a learning standpoint. Um, you know, it's been interesting with TrackMan. I mean, Chris has had access to TrackMan. I'm just thinking back to, you know, I've been teaching tour pros for the last 20 years, really, since I started. And for the first half of that tenure, I didn't have, you know, there was no track man. There was, you know, we just had, had video cameras and track man's really changed everything because, you know, some people will tell you that it's, it's too technical, but it's the complete opposite from my perspective. And I'm sure Chris would say the same, but track man really has given us an opportunity to be, you know, play more by feel because, you know, we can dial in certain numbers and then, you know, have a feel to produce those numbers. And yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, I think it's it's helped us and it's been, you know, one thing with him just that's made my life easier is that, you know, he mainly has one ball flight, which is left to right. I mean, he used to not be able to hit a draw. I'm pretty confident he can hit a draw right now when he needs to. That's something, you know, we'll continue to hone as he, as he continues mm -hmm. to play at a higher level. But because his shot shape has been predominantly left to right, um, you know, both by design and it's just the way he is it's, it's made things easier for me because, you know, when he's off, for example, just to, to give you a number, an example, his path might be, you know, seven, eight, nine out to in. And when he's on his path is, you know, three, four, five out to in. So, you know, to, to know what that is and have a feel associated with those numbers has, has been super helpful. Yeah. And that's kind of the bridge, right? As a player, like, yeah, okay, I get it. I'm just seeing the ball, the coaches. Okay. When he struggles, here's where we are. And then when he's not, here's where we are, right? So it's a, it can be a different language. And then you don't even have to share that. You don't even have to share it. It just kind of lives in its own world. I think that's just the, the art of teaching, the beauty of it and how everybody's, sure. you know, just so yeah. different. What's your top, what's your, your top club head ball speed right now, Chris? I've hit 200 once. That's it though. That's my max. Wow. 
It's What's funny, the- Travis, you know, with the, with the speed stuff, what, one thing that's interesting with Chris is, you know, it's, you know, he's used the lacrosse example as, as an area to help him gain speed, but you know, it's like, I mean, that's pretty natural speed, right? I mean, we mm-hmm. it's, it's a hard thing to teach. I think it's, it is an acquired skill. Someone can get better at that and gain speed, but that has made my life easy. I mean, he's showing up with, with natural speed and he's got a, a great head on his show on his uh, shoulders as well, which helps mentally. He's super strong, but you know, speed, power, mental. I mean, those might be the most important things in golf and also some of the hardest things to teach. And they're really the things that Chris is best at, but the speed stuff is not like, I mean, we've really never talked about it much other than him hitting a shot and me looking at the, at the numbers and saying, you know, Oh my God, look at that speed. I mean, it's not like we've ever, you know, talked speed or tried to gain speed or create speed. I mean, it's just natural speed and and we're working with it. Yeah. You're like a coach's dream, dude. (laughs) <laughs> i wasn't early on I think <laughs> so what's cruising speed club head like what's you're just out there like this is me man i'm cruising at what probably 25 if i had to guess 25 maybe a hair more give or take depending you on juiced how up a little bit amped up 27 i yeah, guess i mean 20, i can 27 yeah damn yeah it's probably yeah that's probably right i'm gonna time stamp that one that's uh <laughs> uh give give my audience a little feel of what it's like in college golf you're you're in a big program oklahoma oklahoma state you guys take this stuff seriously right college golf i mean this is you're playing for a blue chip program what do you got two wins already this year uh me i have yeah. two yeah you have two wins your team's on a heater right now yeah, we kind of lost a little steam this week, but we're, we're all good. Okay, well, it happens. It's golf, right? You can't yeah, you can't win every week in golf, and if you are, then you're not you're not pushing yourself enough. You know that's yeah, and you're playing you're playing top D one golf, and then you're going to go to the next level after that. But give my audience a feel of like what does the week look like for you? You've got your class, but fit in how much golf is happening on a weekly schedule? Working out, meetings hitting balls, tournaments, just what does that look like? So usually, at least here, we're working on Monday, Wednesday, Friday um, in the mornings. And that's usually just, you know, a normal workout with our guy um, in the gym. And then we have practice at 2 in the afternoon every day, but everyone's out there by 11, 30, 12, getting some work in beforehand. Um, and if it's a tournament week, we'll have qualifying, you know, three, four times a week. Um wow depending on depending on the scenario obviously but um yeah and then if we then we'll travel we'll leave on a if our tournament's on saturday we'll leave on thursday get out there get a practice round in knock some rust off from flying and then get a practice round and then go play um it's definitely you know we go to some pretty cool places um like we played pebble beach east lake um merido you know you could name all of them and they're all awesome but um it doesn't feel like, you know, a vacation when you're out of pebble, you know, we're trying to win and, um, it's, it's fun, but it's definitely competitive. And I've definitely learned that getting to Oklahoma this year, that it's, uh, it's legit and everyone takes it very seriously. Ryan Hibble, right? Your coach. Yeah. So I met him out at the PXG called showcase, um, that we do in Scottsdale in November, Logan McAllister, right? Yeah, he's my roommate. Logan's your roommate? Yeah. Is he there? Uh, he's not, no. Oh, I know Logan. Tell him I said hi. I will. Yeah, he um he was out with us at 
at the event. So well, that's cool. All right. Yeah. Ryan's a good guy. I, I, I enjoyed the conversations with that. And, and of course he's your coach and Jason, you're his coach. <laughs> and this is something that, you know, I talked to some of these college coaches about how does that dynamic work, Jason, I mean, in communication, say with Ryan, Hey, you know, Chris and I are kind of doing this and this, and, you know, obviously Ryan's got, he's with them a lot and is out there with them. And if something's kind of breaking down, like how does that dynamic work between you head coach of the team and the student? So I've never met or spoken to Ryan. Okay. Um, and Chris, you know, the way that I look at it, Chris is, is the boss in my, yeah. from my perspective, right? He's the CEO of this company and, and he kind of, he kind of runs the ship. Um, and he, you know, he gets what he needs from, whoever's on the team, really. I mean, I, I, that's sort of the way that I've looked at the last, you know, year or so with him. Um, he's got, he really has good people around him, really mm -hmm. starting with his parents. I mean, he, he's just got, it, it's so important at the level that he's at and the level that he's going to, to have, you know, to have your things together outside the ropes and off the course. And Chris has got that going pretty good for him. He, he's just got a good group of people in his corner. Um, starting with his parents and his coaches. Um, he's just done a good job of putting the right people around mm -hmm. him. And, you know, that's just something that he's, you know, he's just naturally good at. Mm -hmm. um, and it's very important. I mean, I've, I've been on many teams that didn't work well together and, and some teams that did work well together. So, yeah, but every case is different. He's in charge. He's the boss. He, he gets, you know, what he needs from the people on his team. And, you know, I give him what he needs from me and he gets what he needs from other people. That's really the way that it's gone. And we, we've had success doing things this way. I said this when I saw him last time, it's like, you know, we, we've been growing and getting, we've gotten to this level doing things a certain way. So, you know, it, from my perspective, there's no need to change anything other than, you know, sort of what's been happening you know, and, and has been equaling into success. So yeah, that's just, you know, yeah. we sort of keep moving. Do you like that, Chris? Like you're the, you know, you're in college, you're the, you know, you're the boss of your game, right? You're the CEO of your game and the accountability of your game. Um, I just feel like that's such a huge thing. I hear that. I hear that from professionals a lot. Like you'll hear them five, six years in all of a sudden say, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm in a much better spot. I'm taking more accountability for my game. I'm more invest, you know, I go, you know, what does that mean? Like, you know, but there, there's an ownership there, right? As the player, do you feel that Chris? And that kind of helps you give the confidence that you need to, to execute. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's no one at the end of the day, there's no one else to that the reliability falls on other than myself. So um, I use Jason as a tool to help me get better. And I use coach as a tool to help me when I get better. So um, it's all kind of parts of the puzzle, but at the end of the day, it's all kind of comes down to me and I got to execute. What would you tell a young Chris or a young junior parent listening right now? Like what I know now as a senior in college, what I know now, what I've been through Rutgers, then you transferred to Oklahoma, what you've learned through those experiences. What would you tell that young Chris or a young junior golfer is like, Hey, I want to do that. I want to, I want to be right there in eight years on the stripe show podcast, talking to Travis. What would you tell him as advice? The, the thing that I think that's helped me a lot is I haven't forced anything like anything that I've done has been kind of natural. And, um, you know, I never forced myself to play in a ton of tournaments. I played in what I wanted to. I never overdid it. I never played like I would purposely take a couple months off in the winter when the weather wasn't good. Um, you know, I never got burnt out or I never 
I would focus on playing other sports when they were in season and not golf. Um, certain things that I did just, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself a big, like, I'm not like a golf, like junkie. Like I love golf. Don't get me wrong, but I have other things in my life that are important as well. Um, so it doesn't take precedent all the time. So I think that's been important. And then, um, I just haven't changed what I'm like, what I do. I like, I stick to what I got and if that's good enough, it'll work. If not, you know, you, you deal with it. But, um, other than that, you know, if you're unique, I would stick with that. You know, UCR team, we got Patrick Welch who plays left-hand low. Um, and then we got Garrett Angle who grips it like a baseball bat and with a space in between. So th- there's everyone's different. So I wouldn't fall into the to the gap of, you know, you have to look like this or look like that. So right now on your team, you have someone that grips like a baseball bat. Yeah, but like like this, like there's this much room in between. And then you have another player on your team that grips it left hand low. Yeah. And it's he just shot 15 under in Vegas. So he just, <laughs> just won a college tournament, by the way. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's funny. I, when I played in college golf, there was there was a kid by the name of Craig Welty. You may have heard of the name Carl Welty. Carl, Carl's son, yeah. It's Carl's son. So I played against him in college. And he played cross-handed. And I played with him all the time in tournaments. And it, it, I could watch it, and it, the only time it freaked me out was in a bunker. I couldn't watch him hit bunker shots. It just didn't even compute. Like, how do you hit a bunker shot cross-handed? Like, that doesn't even make sense to me. <laughs> and he was, a, he was a magician out of the bunker. I mean, a damn magician. It was amazing. It's yeah, there's, there's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a really cool point, Chris. You know, this baseball split grip, left hand low. Um, gosh, I just, I worked with a player today that's, off and on in the corn Ferry tour, super weak grip, you know, left hand, right hand way on top. And just so many interesting, you know, ways to go about this. Um, and it gets the fun for the coach is like, is when they get when they have a really high skill set, because then that challenges you right to work with that and work and, and then be able to fix things without making wholesale changes. So um, it's just a fascinating thing. Let me ask you this. What's the average length course you play in college? Do you think what length you at? Uh, probably, you know, just over seven is my okay. guess. You went to Puerto Rico PGA tour event. How was that course different than what you're playing in college? Um, well, we did play there in college, so that made so it, that the same made course. it a little easier. Yeah, okay. so was the course set up different? Yeah, it was different because we okay. played some par threes that were up for the tournament. So we didn't want to use their boxes. So we played a couple up here and there, but um, greens were a little faster. Nothing, nothing crazy though. What's uh, what do you think as you look ahead, senior year is coming up. What, what do you feel like you look at your game right now, that experience in Puerto Rico, you're like, I can go out and compete right now. I, I you can go out and get on the corn Ferry tour, compete, I don't know, maybe do a Monday here and the PGA tour, you know, like, you know, what I know that the status is different now, right? You have to work through the corn Ferry tour and then work yourself up and the PGA tour university. You're at 14th right now, right? You've moved all the way up to 14th. Yeah, I think so. And the automatics are what the top. So five get corn Ferry right off the bat. Top, and then five. top 15 through six get, um, to second stage and then you get uh PJ tour like Canada or Latin or something okay. like that. 
So you feel like your game right now, you can go out and compete or is there an area where you feel like I need to, I need to kind of polish this up a little bit more. Do you think, do you think that way? Uh, I think kind of both. I think, you know, I think I can go play right now if I, if I'm clicking, but obviously I think I can get better in certain spots as well. Like my short game, you know, it'll always, always need work. Um, can never really be good enough in short games. And then obviously just tightening up irons here and there. And, um, I think I'm a pretty good driver of the ball. So, uh, Logan's a good short game player. Yeah. He's got, we've, we've had some nice short game battles over the, over the year. So, so I watched him the day I watched him warm up and we played a little bit before the, the, the footage. And I told the producer, I said, Logan will probably hold, chip in twice. And he chipped in on the second hole. And I was like, there's one. And then he, then he didn't make another one, but he was hitting some, he's got some nice hands. Like he was really clipping it. Yeah. He can get under it pretty good and get, yeah. some, get some nice spin on the ball. All right. Let's look at the swing. Ready for this. Jason. So I got some questions. You know, you know it's okay. you know it's always a good thing when someone tells you when someone with 133 club speed and 200 ball speed doesn't list driver is one of the things he has to get better at. That's a good thing. <laughs> so let me ask you, Jason, before we look at the swing. Yeah. If you had to pick one thing, you know, with with Chris, like let's say his strength, you got driver, irons, short game, putter. Right now, number one is what. Driver, driver, driver for me would be number one. I think, you know, for him and I, I think it's where we've probably made the best strides over the years. Um, you know, obviously with his speed and distance, you know, accuracy is not the most easy thing in the world. And and mm-hmm. I think it was, I, I really think he would have to answer this question too, but I think when we first started driver was one of his weaker clubs. And I think now it's, it's number one strength in, in the bag. Um, and for him to, you know, drive it and play with that speed um, is a huge advantage. And, you know, every golf course is like a par 68 now. Chris, when I posted your driver swing on the putting green on my platform, people were losing their mind. Like people were like DMing me. And I was like, relax. I said, he's not touching the green. He's a plus four handicap and working with this coach. And they're, you know, like, it's all good. Like, calm down. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but and then it, there was it was just hilarious how I didn't I didn't even think about like it would strike a nerve and ah oh, this anyway so here we are so that was a that was a, that was a chipping green by the way or yeah chipping green there you go well yeah. either way yeah. I don't think it matters to a lot of people but you look at you look at this driver setup here okay and what would you say Jason like has been something that's been a nice impact from an overall accuracy standpoint as we as we kind of just play this through a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, so the the hand position it addresses is a big one. When we first started, um, he had the club at a at a super upright angle at address, so the grip of the club was pointing pointing you know well above his belt line. Um, so Chris, when Chris is all you know, Chris is a fader of the ball, right? So when he's off, it's fading too much. Usually, he's missing shots too far to the right. Um, so, you know, there's a little bit of down and out to in going on in his swing. So we've, I have always tried to implement things that would, you know, maybe even some draw characteristics to, to negate some of that out to in swing path, right? Mm -hmm. So as you can see in the setup, he's, he's pretty square. He's set up to the left of his target, but he's pretty square. Whereas he used to set up open. Um, he has his hands a little bit, a little bit lower to dress with his hands there. Um, used to have them much higher. So, you know, starting with the handle high and the setup open, you know, to me, those are big fade characteristics. So by getting him into a little bit more, what I would call draw 
drawish, mm-hmm. square stance, handle lower. Um, he's got his arms a little bit closer to his body. His right arm folds a little bit better off of the ball. Um, his arms are a little bit lower and more across his body in general. And you'll even see the club pointing a little bit across the line there at the top. So to yep. me, those are all, you know, they're not – I'm not saying they would produce a draw, but they're, they're in the, they're in the family of of draw, as you know. So, you know, it's, it's really just turned his swing path, which was sometimes excessively out in at seven, eight, nine, it's turned the swing path into, you know, two, three, four, five, and he doesn't lose golf balls with that swing path. Have you always turned your right hip like that, Chris, where you just let the right knee kind of lose flexion, that window opens up in there between the knees. Is that something you've always done? Yeah, th- yeah, my right leg gets pretty straight. See, there's, I I show people that image, you know, because most of the time, not always, but most of the time, you're trying to get a little deeper hip turn with people, and and the idea of losing flexion sometimes is like, like I, I want to keep my right knee flexed, right? And I know you can go ahead and let it, you know, straighten a little bit, and I'll use that window. That window, you can see the daylight open up as a something as a goal for them. And that's a big time right hip turn deep. And I'm sure that's key, Jason, to kind of help get that left arm rounded out a little bit. Absolutely. He's always done that pretty naturally. And, it, and it's just been a huge source of power. And, and you know, his ability to use the ground is, is just been is tremendous. And, and that's a big part of it for sure. What, what feel do you like, Chris? Like, what is there, like, as you've worked through some of these things, what's the, your kind of your go-to feel? Uh, it, honestly, it changes. Um, you know, some weeks it's I try to hold the club face closed as long as possible. Or there's other weeks where, you know, I'm trying to feel the club kind of go out a little bit um, when I take it back. You know, I really just, they all kind of equal the same thing. It just feels different here and there. But um, I don't have one kind of feel. You know, I like to keep my left arm when I'm practicing as close to my body as possible for as long as possible. But um, that's kind of for practice. I don't think about I try not to think about really anything when I'm swinging, to be honest. Yeah, I'd say, Travis, the most, um, you know, probably the the swing feels that we've come to more often is maybe standing up a little bit taller with the posture and you know, the connection with the left arm, like Chris alluded to, and, you know, maybe a simple thought like lines of the takeaway, a little bit a little bit straighter back as opposed to letting it get behind him and, mm-hmm. you know, completing his shoulder turn, you know, all, all pretty things, all things that are pretty simple to take to the golf course as, as punk thoughts. Yeah. And then like the downswing is just kind of instinctive, I would imagine, right? Like you just, whoops, there we go. The downswing, Chris, is just like, hit it. Yeah, I just try to swing left. That's really the only thing I think about. Okay. So you like the feeling of, of kind of the hands working back around to the left. Yeah. And yeah, that's... I could stop it here a sec. Let me see if I can. Yeah, like that club exiting, you know, kind of down under that left shoulder a little bit. Yeah. That, and that's been a feel Chris for a while now. Right. And I think, um, you know, that's where my job is, has been important to, you know, sort of mm, make adjustments in other areas so that he can continue to have that feel and mm-hmm. not, not have numbers that get him into trouble. Right. Cause if he, if he sets up way open at a dress and he's got the handle high and he's got his arms lifty and, and then he adds the swing left thought, you know, things get a little out of control. So I've, I've always had, you know, in the back of my mind that he likes playing with that feel. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I've sort of put some things in place to allow him to play with that effectively. That's such a good point. I mean, and it's, I'll tell you what's really weird. It's very 
similar to kind of what Sam Burns did from Monday at the players over to Valspar. You know, if you remember, he was, he fades it too. And he struggles. He was just, you know, kind of hitting the wipe. And he, you know, you can really see that effort of him turning and exiting left. And, you know, his, he got very much up and down, right. He kind of got up and down. And I was talking to his coach, Brad Pullen about it on Monday. And it was just all about, you know, just get it working around you, you know, get it a kind of a draw bias component, get it working a little bit more around you. And then you can go get it and, you know, do your thing. Like Chris is saying, just kind of swing left. So that backswing kind of sets the stage for you to be instinctive to. And I think that's the cool balance between coach and player where you're just Jason, you're like, you're layering in that the context, okay, we need a little bit of this and this so he can now just be instinctive and do what he wants to do. Absolutely. This conversation we're having right now is about as in-depth technique as I've ever gotten with Chris in the last eight years. <laughs> Chris, if you go out and shoot 77, you can blame it on me. Okay. That's so, fine. <laughs> just erase this, you know, like from your brain, this, this is like, this is good. Like what I love about this is I'm listening to the player and the coach, right? That's what's really cool about this is like coach, what the coach is saying, what the player is saying and then you can really hear the value of the coach and how he's coaching you up for you to be instinctive. And I think that's kind of what we've just gotten to here in a, in a very fun way with your feel, Chris, of like swinging left. And then Jason's like, well, you know, I'm do, I'm, I got I to gotta make sure that I create the right context for him to do that. And, when, and so much of that is just, you know, in that backswing and getting it. I, when I look at this view, have you always, is like, like that turn right there, which is just awesome. Is that how he turned when he was in high school? I was uh, I was way yeah. younger then, right? Yeah, it was longer then, but the the body, his body is like insanely different, right? I mean, what how I mean, what like you said, he lost fifty pounds, so and he's so much stronger now, and the stability and the yeah, it, it was a different. He he was getting to a similar position, but it wasn't it wasn't in the in the way that he's doing it right now. It was it was kind of a lot lot of moving going on and a lot of sort of wasted stuff going on in there and, and the balance wasn't like it is right now. He's just so much fitter and stronger and, and, and leaner. Now it's, it's really that changed everything. So you lost 50 pounds. Yeah. And then when did you start, when did you start working out in weights? Like what year? That, oh, I always kind of did, but that year, like probably sophomore year of college was when I started really throwing it, throwing it around. When you got stronger, where, did you feel you got stronger everywhere, but was there a particular area like legs, core where you felt like, damn, this is, this is helping me a ton. Probably, probably honestly everywhere, legs, arms, core, you know, probably core just cause I was able to, you know, feel like, it's funny cause I'm going to say this and it's going to like, when I worked out, I got tight, not tighter, but like my swing got tighter um yeah. more compact just by just by like not doing anything but just by working out so um uh, so now yeah. you're working out you're getting stronger but you're still you still have the length of your swing yeah 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 through all yeah. these technical changes and and uh, body transformations he's he's only gotten faster yeah but he's probably only going to continue to get faster yeah i don't see why not i mean i i Good, potentially. Like, what's this right here? What what speed? Why is that doing that? Here we go. What what percent effort is that right there? Is that like hundred percent, ninety percent, eighty percent? That's probably 
85, 90. But I, that's probably that's, – that's good four years ago. I think I'm probably this a good one. four or five miles an hour faster now. Uh, this one's this one's when? Like two this, years ago. No, this one is actually uh, last year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and this one, ago, would you say your, your cruising speed is 80, 90%? Yeah, that's probably a good 90. When you want to bust one, when you're like, I'm going to knock the absolute – dog shit out of this one what do you do like where do you get it uh i usually grip it a little harder it I, it does not go as straight i know that um but i usually just grip it a little harder and get a full fuller turn and um usually doesn't go well though <laughs> it usually doesn't so there's a limit yeah, there's, I mean, like we had a long drive contest on the range, and I'll I'll mess around. I'll try to hit like a high draw, and yeah. it'll either go perfect or it'll go forty yards right. So um, I would never use that on the course. You know, I'll cruise all day what I got, but it's fun to mess around every once in a while. How, how many guys in your team fade it? Um, probably, probably. You know, we have twelve. I would say at least half, maybe mm-hmm. a little more. So it's you got six fades, six work, maybe draws. Yeah, some people, you know, some people work it both ways. But I would mm-hmm. say there's probably like three or four solid draw guys, and then a couple of straight here and there. Is there any swing you like? You watch golf on TV, you're like, I like that right there. Um, or like a player, there. Anyone? I, like, I mean, just- I like watching Ron play. He's probably. Uh, I just it looks so simple, and he looks like he goes full bore at everything, and it. It's in the same spot. Yeah. Travis, I took Chris. Uh, we were at the Travelers Championship, I don't know, maybe three years ago. I had a student playing at Travelers, Roberto Diaz, and I invited Chris up to spend the practice round with us, and we played with uh, Abraham Anser and uh, mm-hmm. Joaquin Neiman on a, on a Tuesday in Cromwell and got Chris inside the ropes, and we're walking around. And, you know, it's always – interesting for me to see how he responds to that i mean I, i've been in that situation with students before and they're starstruck and a little intimidated and i mean at the time i think neiman was 20 years old and maybe even one already and you know obviously great player and we spent that day and i'll never forget chris coming up to me you know very nonchalantly not bragging in any way shape or form but you know sort of towards the end of the practice round just said you know i can beat these guys i, I know i can beat these guys and that was like you know pretty eye-opening for me i mean he's you know, there, there's no, you know, there's no real cockiness, outward cockiness mm-hmm. going on, but he's just, he's got an inner confidence in him and, and similar to the swing speed stuff. It's, you know, it's hard to teach and coach that. And, and, um, that's, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Man, and is that the way you feel, Chris? Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of, there's been certain building steps that have gotten me to that point. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, you have to prove it without, without saying it, like, there's certain things where you where you kind of know you can do things, but you have to still go prove it. So, yeah. um, you know, I've gotten to that point now, but I know there's still still plenty of plenty of options down the road to you know keep keep improving. So the drivers one. What's two? What's the what's number two? Irons wedges or irons short game putting? Um, I would probably say irons. I think I've you know I hit my long irons really well. Um, I don't really like. I like my par three scoring is usually pretty good, um, which is kind of an important thing for me. That's kind of what I focus on because mm-hmm. I know I'm playing well if I'm scoring well on par threes. Um, honestly, I think it probably 
it's definitely irons. And then I've gotten really good with wedges over the past couple of years, you know, can still, can still get better there, but um, mm-hmm. compared to what it used to be, it's, it's probably a close, close second or third. Iron seven iron. How far do you hit a seven iron? Um, probably like one ninety ninety five. Putting. You watch, you watch Neiman putt. You watch, answer putt. Um. You're like I can. I'm I'm as good a putter. I mean I can I can do that too, right? Like that's. Because that's like the part. One of the part of the game is when you you start benchmarking. It's easy. You sit there and you watch him hit the ball, and you're like, okay. And then it's okay. Now you're watching him on the green. Do you feel like I, I can do exactly that too, with the putter? Yeah, I probably don't do it as consistently um, as I would like. But you know, when I'm when I'm in a good spot, I think I you know I can I can roll it pretty good. Yeah. What do you like about his putting, Jason? You know, he doesn't get too, he's very non-technical, obviously, like you said about the swing, but probably even more so with the putter, which Mm -hmm. I think is very important. That's probably, you know, what I like about it the most. And he also doesn't stress too much about the putter. I mean, he, you know, when you, when you have amazing ball striking rounds, you know, it just sometimes makes your, makes you think like you're not putting that well. Cause you know, how many putts are you really going to make? I mean, the percentages even on on tour from eight, nine, 10 feet are, are not very high. Right. So you have these amazing ball striking rounds and sometimes walk off the golf course thinking you're not making anything, which is not really the case, but he doesn't stress about, you know, he's, he has rounds like that where he'll text me after the round and said, you know, shot two under, but didn't make a thing or, you know, we just kind of move on to the next. He doesn't, uh, you know, I have a lot of, I have had students over the years, especially at that level that have, you know, are good ball strikers and they just, they stress about the putting when it's not there. And he's never really done that. Um, you know, credit to his mental, you know, makeup and, and game. But I think that's probably what I like about the most. There's just no stress. It's like, you know, they'll, they'll fall tomorrow and it's kind of, you know, that, that's, I think a, a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how the game's changed on tour right now. You know, you look at it, I look at it a lot with podcasts, statistically the stroke scan approach is the number one stat. And then, you know, you look at those names and you see Colin Morikawa and Victor Hovland and you're like, damn, that's the who's who. And then, then you look at like driving distance and then you start seeing, you know, Bryson and DJ and Brooks. You're like, oh, wow. Okay. Those guys are like, you know, so it's like the the boss, it's a, it's a, it's a ball striking tour with have your weeks of putting, you know, kind of that's, you know, in a, in a nutshell, short game has a ton of value, but I would say in today's game, Jason, I'm sure you guys have talked, it's, it's, you know, if you have distance man, huge advantage. And then if you can hit your irons and you're a great iron player and you, that, that travels, I mean, you can, you can sure. take down any course and have your good putting weeks. And now you're on the first page and let's get, let's get a win. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's um, been that way for, it's been that way for years now. Right. I mean, the best players are you know, the best putters of the best ball strikers are the guys yeah. that are, you know, right. I mean, who's, best player on tours, whoever's, you know, strokes gained and approach uh, shots is, is highest in any given week. So I think it's, you know, even going back to Mark Brody's every shot counts book from yeah. several years ago. Right. I mean, putting, I think was, was third on his list of, of, of importance. Now I'm not saying in any way, shape or form putting's not important. Obviously you can't be a bad putter at the level Chris is playing at. Yeah. Um, but for sure, I, I think, uh, I think it's, it's where it should be on the list. Yeah. Well, Chris, good stuff, man. It's fun to watch. I, you know, it's you're uh, 
the next generation is coming. Um, you're 22, senior year. Enjoy it, man. Cause you know what? You're never going to, you know, you're not going to go back to college. Right. So, you know, I know you got a lot of like big tournaments and there'd be some stress, but you know, enjoy the experience too, because college life is, you know, your friends and the people, the things that your experiences there are just are one of a kind. So we'll be watching um, this spring and then you turn pro. We'll be, we'll be cheering you on. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, Chris got her up. Jason Birnbaum stripe show podcast, man. That was a good one. Really appreciate Thanks, listening. Guys. Thank you. Thank you.